Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This is Monsters Who Murder, Serial Killer Confessions. Police found 27 corpses. Australia's worst serial killer. You know, I didn't want to get in the car. With Amanda Howard and Robert McKnight. Hello there and welcome to Monsters Who Murder, Serial Killer Confessions. I am Rob McKnight. You can find me on Twitter at Rob underscore McKnight. And I'm joined by the serial killer whisperer, best-selling true crime author and criminologist Amanda Howard, who you can find at AmandaHoward73 on Twitter. Hello, Amanda. Hello, Robert. And since we spoke about Twitter last week, thank you to all of those who sent me tweets and and made me use the platform that I hadn't since (laughs) August last year. (laughs) Good to hear. And you can also follow the official account at MWM Confessions. Amanda, we're talking Chris Watts again. This is part four. We've got so much material on this guy. It's great. It certainly is. And uh, we have about nine hours of um, interviews that we need to go through. So I promise I won't make this a 45-episode season like I would love to do. But um, we <laughs> I think have some a couple would like more that. seasons past here. <laughs> oh, don't encourage me. <laughs> <laughs> now, look, you've been watching this season, so I'm not going to go over what has happened so far. It's really important that you go and watch the episodes in order but we are going to be covering his police interrogation today now normally we start with intros of the suspects but here we don't for two reasons one we've already been introduced to watts and we've seen many facial and body markers and two this is not yet in an interrogation the fbi agent sits next to watts and they begin going over his handwritten statement about his movements and what he knows of his family's movements the agent Agent starts by using a trick we know here very well. He says, tell me the story and then we'll go over it in more detail. So I work a lot of stuff like this in bank robberies and when I talk to a, you know, a witness at a bank robbery, sometimes I find it best for them to just say, uh, I just say, uh, tell me what happened, get it all out, and then once you get it out, let's go over it, okay? So just get it all out as far as this. Tell me exactly what you remember, and I'll take notes about where we can go. Okay, so why is he getting him getting them to swap chairs? 
Well, I think what we're seeing here is an opportunity to sort of throw him off, to, to sort of make him not get comfortable. So uh, this is an FBI agent, so he doesn't actually work from, from this police station, obviously. Um, but he is also sort of making him uncomfortable to make sure that he, he doesn't sort of sit there and just go, OK, I'm in my groove and I can start. So as soon as Watts started talking, he sort of said, no, no, let's move and you sit there so I can an answer the door. But it's more about now putting Watts into the location in the corner of the room so he, he feels that pressure of being cornered um but also it allows him to have his face on the camera which yeah. uh, would have been disastrous had they not made that that uh that sw swapping positions yeah fair enough all right so they start going over his statement and what's begins fixating on a get out of jail free card <laughs> Okay, so is he saying, or is he trying to allude that they might have been abducted? Yes and no. He's, he's sort of saying, well, if, if this camera um, film that, that we've actually seen in one of the earlier episodes, if, if, if that's really true and, and accurate, well, we don't actually see Shanann walk into the house. So quite possibly 15 other people could have walked in, into the house and no one would have seen it. So he's sort of making that reasonable doubt motive just here so he's he's trying to say just because it wasn't on camera doesn't mean it didn't happen mm -hmm. so this is because this is about three or four days later so he's had time to sort of uh, fix that narrative to now uh, match what's on camera and he's thought about hang on a sec we don't actually see her walk into the house so there we can say well maybe they didn't pick up on you know a guy dressed in, in black who came in three seconds after he left um and he'll, he'll play on this a few times during this interview okay but here we get to his very first line. She was in the house. Okay. And, so, and what time are we talking? This is still 148. Okay. okay. So, come on. Uh, 2 a.m., Shane gets in the bed with me. Hang on a sec. He said to the police at his house that he was sleeping downstairs in the basement. <laughs> yep, so there's our first lie. So uh, he is going to be quite in inconsistent. And so this is something that is going to come up a few times. So he is um, telling one section of people one thing and now he's telling this FBI agent something else. So it's quite interesting that this seems to be a, a, a tiny in inconsistency now, but it actually proves uh, that there was a lot more going on than um, he was actually telling us when we first met him in, in the last couple of episodes. Mm. Well, he then goes over their discussion that morning. 4 a.m., that's when my alarm goes off for work. And I'm seeing get dressed, brush my teeth, everything I do upstairs. Uh, 4.15, that's when I get back, slide right into bed next to her and start having a conversation with her about having the house up for sale and talking about it. Maybe just for the kids' sake, but realizing that doing like our homework, it's not 
most of the time that's not going to work. Yeah. And it gets pretty emotional because we have two beautiful kids and we have one off the way. So it's just a matter of like, it was very emotional. We were both crying. And at the end, we just said, you know, she said she was going to take the kids to her friend's house for the day. And she would be back. Okay, so she's been home two hours after travelling, she's pregnant and tired, and he wants to have a deep and meaningful conversation then and there. Yes, it's it's amazing that it is so convenient that this was the day that she suddenly then disappeared, but he's using all of these uh, gentle, emotive words that we were falling out of love, we have two beautiful kids and one on the way, you know, we were very emotional, not that he was yelling and screaming in, in her face after pinning her down on, on the bed and choked her, you know, which is actually what, what actually happened, but he's he's trying to then say, like, he, he actually almost stops himself and then continues to, to make something more truthful, he goes, and then she said that she's taking the kids. And then he adds to a friend's house. He was going to stop there, but it was a split second that he thought, no, I have to actually make this continue going. So because he knew that had he stopped there, though it, it sort of demonises her a, a bit, and we know there's major issues for, for fathers in, in situations like this. But at the same time, um, he realised that he had to say to a friend's house because that's part of the story that he, he wants to tell later. Mm. So um, it's just interesting, all these soft and gentle words, you know, that, that – uh, belies what actually happened that day you know what's interesting to me it wouldn't surprise me if he did go and have this conversation with her because he's a narcissist it is all about him if he has this on his mind he wants to talk about the relationship he will not care that she's pregnant been out Mm -hmm. all night dead tired he wants to have it now so he's going to have that conversation now yeah, oh, definitely. This conversation happened, that there is, is no doubt. But he wouldn't have gone in and said, honey, I think we're falling out of oh, love. No. <laughs> you know, I, I think we need to. It's not that. It's like, fuck you. Um, I want to divorce you. I hate you, you know, kind yeah. of thing. You, you ruined my life. I can't live with you, you know, and, and with you being gone, it, it was a lot better. That's how it would have got, not this gentle, we were falling out of love. Yeah. Well, he then goes into detail as to why he backed his truck into the garage. And so I went downstairs, made my protein shake. So the 5 a.m., that's when I did that. I had my lunchbox, had my oatmeal, chicken, took my water jug up. 5.15, I went outside, backed my truck up, loaded up, had my book bag, my lunchbox, computer, water jug, my big, big clear container. I put big clear containers in my truck so it's easy just to pull out, pull in, just depending on what I'm going to use. Motoring kit, and I knew I was going to do some stuffing box rubbers that day, so I got some various open wrenches from my toolbox, and I know those work better than the ones they would give me. Okay. Um, 5.30, that's when I went to work. Wow, there is a lot of detail there. There is. He even had oatmeal for breakfast and chicken for lunch in his lunchbox. This is a lot of specific details, yet he glossed over their relationship argument that they had that day. Mm. We were falling out of love and we both got pretty emotional. But I packed oatmeal, I packed chicken, I packed my protein shake, I got, you know, this and this and this. And and on top of all of that, his tools are in plastic tubs. Like, I am the tub queen. My garage is filled with tubs for Christmas and museums and serial killers and all that sort of stuff. Please don't go through them. Um, but it's interesting that he thinks that he's carrying heavy tools in the back of his truck in plastic tubs. 
Yeah, you're the tub queen. I'm the tubby queen. Uh, <laughs> we both have our roles. <laughs> Look, it's interesting because we've got the footage from our last episode of him arriving home. Let's have a look at it and, and talk over what we're seeing for the people who are on the audio podcast. So here we have the truck pulling up. This is when he's had the call from Nicole that, the yeah. um that Shanann is missing the police arrived before him so we've got the body cam footage yeah uh, the car pulls up he runs around now he's going into the side door the passenger side and he's pulling out something uh that is either his wallet that looks like so and there he's got the police so he's certainly not pulling out any tools or anything there what did you want to see from that vision amanda no well, there was big white tubs in in the back of his truck, but I don't think that they're like my five dollar office works ones. Please sponsor us, Office Works. I think um, these are sort of heavy duty tubs that aren't quite the plastic tubs I, w- I was thinking they were, but they seem to be there. But um, uh, just interesting, also just going back to that is that he parked so far away from his own home. Like, wouldn't he have pulled into the driveway? So can so you see in, in, in the back of the truck? Again. There's like a big white. So, yes, I yep. can see the, the tubs in the, in the back. back. Yeah. Yeah, so I think that's what he, he's talking about. But um, his wife was also between those tubs. Are we sure he's not grabbing his sunglasses here? It's his sunglasses or his wallet because as he approaches the police officer, he's got the sunglasses on. So I think it was his wallet and his phone from yeah. the passenger side seat, which okay. he may have put them on there. But... Um, uh, look, so he did have plastic containers. Yep, yep. So, yep. Okay. <laughs> so that is a good <laughs> excuse to, I mean, yeah, I mean, we have to go with, with what the evidence shows. It's, it's not about speculation. So seeing that he does have tubs in, in the back of his truck, but like the neighbour had said in the first episode, he never takes those tubs out and puts them back in. Mm. So was he taking them out to put his wife in and then putting them back on top? If only we had this sort of camera angle um, from his own uh, ring camera, but we obviously don't. Absolutely. He then goes through the fact that Shanann and had not answered anyone's calls, but then makes the point about something he thinks is irrelevant, but this is actually an important piece of evidence. Uh, two o'clock when I got home, uh, the kid, they couldn't get in because the front door had a top latch to keep the kids in today. Uh, Nicole and the police officer down there. Oh, oh, right. Okay, gotcha. Um, so they couldn't get in because top latch in the car, I mean, top latch on the front door was hinged and the keypad on the outside did not work to get in the garage. So they had to wait till I got there so I can get the remote open. Okay, so the front door is locked and the keypad on the garage needed him to open it. But of course, you have spotted something there. Well, what he he has just told us is that the front door is locked from the inside. So it's not like it, it locks and it has a security thing on. It's actually got a latch, like a physical latch up, up the top so the kids couldn't get out and run onto the street, which means that if someone had come and abducted her, they would have usually come through the front door in, in, instead of a garage anyway. And then they somehow locked it and then they left the house and then the garage door was put down again. There is no um, obvious signs of entry. So instantly... 
this says it's an inside job, but he thinks he's he's just saying, oh, yeah, it wasn't working, but it was okay, but it wasn't. But that front door is locked from the inside. Hmm. Even he couldn't get in. So, uh, you know, just he doesn't realise that that is screaming that he had done it, basically. Yeah, yeah. So there are sprinkles of truth throughout where he's trying to, get the lies in place, but it's not working. Now, Chris tries the tactic of trying to take the detective on his path, but the detective is about to take him off script. What do you think happened? At first, I really thought maybe she was just at the White House, just keep progressing. Yeah. But after today, like with the onslaught of all the cars, I mean, all the police cars, all the news, all the canine units, it's making me lean the other direction about someone took her. Okay. But it's just, if someone took her, it would have to have been someone she knew. Because there's there's no sign of anything like being disturbed, broken. Mm-hmm. But like that's the way I'm leaning now. At first, I thought for real, she was just decompressing somewhere. Just, I mean, I thought she was safe, mm-hmm. even though everything in the house was left there. Now it's just after the day with the news crew and everything, it's just it feels more the other direction, and it's freaking me out. Okay, so he's saying he had to let someone in, but we know the security system showed no alert. The neighbor's camera didn't pick up anything, but he's trying it on anyway. Yeah, he is is trying it on, and he knows now that every um, move he makes is now on camera. It's not just the police there and putting pressure on him. The reporters are turning up. He's being hounded wherever he goes. They're digging up information about him like their um, their, their previous bankruptcy and things like this. So people are starting to... uh, piece this together and he realizes that the pressure is so massive on him now you know that he is freaking out though he doesn't show it and um he is freaking out but not because his wife isn't coming home but because all of this pressure on him because he he knows that he's done Mm. and it's interesting at this point the bodies have not been discovered so it is still a missing persons case at this point right it is, absolutely. And because uh, there are children involved, that is why the police, um, that's why the FBI are there, is because they take over any sort of child case, regardless of what the um, possible s- scenario means. If there is a missing child, it, it becomes an amber alert and, and, um, and the FBI gets involved. That was something that came in many, many years ago uh, because there was some cases that happened, like the John Wayne Gacy case and things like that, where um, young boys would disappear and there wasn't sort of a coordinated task force, so now they do this, and and they have for many decades. But, yeah, he probably didn't even think that far ahead that the FBI Mm. would be involved. Yeah. Well, when the detective asks him about a possible scenario, Watts actually tries to fit the narrative that Nicole provided. Because I have no idea where where they are. If you could think of anything that we could do to find them, what would it be? I mean, everything that I've exhausted so far is like people that have car seats, because she left the car seats. And she would never just, I mean, I mean, Bella could sit in a, in a regular booster chair that because she's about that time. Mm-hmm. Celeste isn't, isn't quite there yet, but all the people that I know that have car seats, they've contacted me. I mean, unless it's, I mean, there's, there's definitely a chance there's somebody I don't know. 
of being a guy or a girl. I, don't, I mean, and she has plenty of friends through like direct sales that I, I've never met. Isn't it interesting that he throws in there that she could have been with a male friend? Yes, it's interesting that he's he's going to try that tact. Um, and it's gone from her people to her friends. So he's he's changing that story. But yes, he would have come home and he would have destroyed those car seats had Nicole not jumped in so quickly. So he now has to fit that saying, well, it must have been a friend who come and picked her up because um, they obviously had car seats in their car. And if someone has car seats in their car, it usually means they also have children, so mm. they wouldn't have had spare car seats. People don't have spare car seats. But he realises that that is something else that he totally messed up. <laughs> I think not messed up but hadn't got to it mm. because this had, had, had gone so quickly. So, um, yeah, so he has to try and fit all this evidence now into what he is, is trying to consider his own theory and what happened. Mm. Well, Watts is then asked about her friend circle. Uh, <clears throat> well, Watts is then asked about. <clears throat> well, Watts is then asked about Shanann's friend circle, and in particular about Nicole. And if she's, I mean, I'm married. I know how it is. If she's hacked up at her husband, would she call Nicole? She would call one of the friends that contacted me. Okay. Uh, at least one of them, because she has she has a close knit group. Okay, but the fact that none of them know anything is very strange. One of them would have said something by now. Seeing what this is escalating to, is it possible that her close knit group isn't close with you, and there is somebody who knows where she is right now? I don't think so, because I mean Nicole is a very she's very close with Nicole, and the way Nicole is acting right now, as far as how emotional she is. Yeah, there's no way, like, she knows. What does that mean? There's no way, like, she would know, like, where she is if she knew. Oh, so you're saying if Nicole knew. Yeah, Nicole knew, like, the way she's acting right now, she's she's as freaked out as I am. Okay. So there's no way, like, she would know where she is if she knew. Do you know, do you know when to pull that up? Decent. She's been over at our house a good amount of time. Oh, okay. Yeah. And so, and you obviously spoke with Nicole. Oh, yeah. And you don't have any weird feelings from her? No, she was, she was there at the at the house like she was, she was the one that was ringing the doorbell trying to see what was going on I actually think this is uh, not a bad tactic from him. He's using Nicole as a yardstick for saying, well, something has to be going on because Nicole would be what the one most likely to know where she is and Nicole's freaking out. That mm -hmm. seems very real and Nicole knows nothing. Yeah, exactly. And, um, you know, and, and we keep talking about her, but it is, is important because she is freaking out. She was the one asking the, the police all the questions on day one. Mm. She is is the one who, who called them. She's the one who called family. She's the one who, who said to Chris, come home, that there's something going on. So, yeah, she is an amazing yardstick for all of this because he's saying, look, if if she was just hiding away somewhere, if Shanann had taken the girls and, and shot through for now, um, Nicole would know and she wouldn't have done all these things things that she had damn he, he he'd hoped that he would have been able to trail her along a bit longer but it's yeah so so this agent is now going okay well that's important because basically her best friend has reacted to this so quickly that there is something suspicious going on but he's he's saying to Watts, oh you know oh, oh that's in interesting because obviously they were that they were close enough and and you were close enough to her so it's not like Watts is coming out saying oh i wouldn't trust her you know she, she's mm. got to know something he's He's actually playing it the wrong way around for, for his own sake.
make, but he, he can't go against what she has said and done. Yeah, I understand what you're saying, but as far as trying to look innocent, if you if you start painting a picture against Nicole, you automatically look guilty. There's a million other reasons why this guy 100%. looks guilty. This doesn't need to be one of them. Uh, but look, the agent then mm -hmm. starts asking about phones and contact details. Um, do you have a sense that the police here, or the FBI here, do you have a sense that we have a good enough list of people to call and check with? So I, I think so because I've I've gone through my entire phone. I know Nicole's gone through her entire phone. Amanda, anybody that lives here that knows Shannon, mm -hmm. they pretty much have the same contact list. Okay. So if there's somebody that's not on that on my phone, it's on theirs. Okay. Has somebody? Uh, I think the police have Nicole's phone. I'm sorry, your wife's phone, right? Yes. And I don't want to pronounce her name wrong. Shanann? Shanann. Shanann? Okay. So the police have Shanann's phone? Yeah. Do they have your phones? Have they looked at your phones? I don't think so. Okay. Can I run that out and have them look real quick? Yeah. Okay. Is there any password I'm going to run into? No, 3307. 3307? 3387. 3387. Are there any other phones you can check? Mm -hmm. Okay. When they look at this, what's the best thing that they can do to... I don't know, to say, um, look for these contacts, look for this uh, Instagram, look for this Snapchat. You know? So, like, the only thing on here that's, I would say it's going to be weird because our contact list is the same. Oh, you guys have a shared contact list? Yeah, like, like every Google. Yeah, it's like, yeah. it's like, I'm, like, all the, uh, what drove me nuts is that when she, like, downloaded it to the cloud, it multiplied or duplicated, duplicated, duplicated. Oh, I hate that. I hate that. Yeah, so this is the same person over and over again. People over. Oh, okay. So we have the same contact. Okay. Yes. So I'm going to run this out. Okay. Um, so 3387. And I really want them to just not physically rip this phone apart, but really dive in. Okay. And is that, are you okay with that? Yeah. Okay. I'll just, I'm going to hand this off to somebody. Okay. All right. I'll be back. Watts doesn't seem too concerned about handing his phone over. No, he doesn't. And we have to remember, too, that this is like 36 hours later. So he has mm. had plenty of time to wipe it clean. But, um, you know, it, it's things like this that I, I go and follow is that his passcode is 3387. So I thought oh, maybe that's her um, birth date or his birthday. There is nothing that I can find that's like the 3rd of March 1987 or anything like that. And usually people have codes that sort of match something in their lives to make it easier. Um, you know, but, but he does so um, there is a girlfriend in, in the scene that I haven't been able to find her date of birth and I don't want to find her, her date of birth because she de deserves to not be a part of this currently. Um, so it's just interesting that he has something that appears to be random as his passcode and it's very important later. But, yeah, he, he's had his phone, like this is on the 15th, I think, and, and the case opened on the 13th when he killed them. So he has had plenty of time to wipe it clean. And Google, yes, can you please tell us why it it duplicates our contacts and why me and my daughter both have the same contact list because <laughs> our phones do the same thing as theirs did. It's very confusing and it keeps putting old telephone numbers in and things like that. Very strange. Please also sponsor us. <laughs> okay. Well, after going through a few bits and pieces, the agent brings Watts back to their divorce conversation that morning. So I know it's hard to talk about. Um, you mentioned that there is a hard conversation the two of you had about Separation, your marriage and separation. Now that you've had a little bit of time to think, looking back on that conversation, um, can you connect the dots between 
Both of being upset and crying, and here we are, and now she and the kids are gone. What do, you, what do you think about? I think about, like, did I cause this? Like, did I make her feel like she needed to leave? And, like, did she really feel, like, the things she was saying, did she really feel the same? Did she really feel like, all right, did this connection, did she really feel all that, or she was just saying it? Like, maybe, like, us falling out of love, did that, was that really registering her at that point in time, or did it register after I left to go to work? And then she's just like, you know, I'm just going to leave. It's like, I don't know, because she laid back down. She was still there when I left. But, like, maybe she sat there and thought about it, like, do I really need to stay here right now? If he doesn't love me, maybe I should just go. So he's trying to make it seem like her idea. Yeah, he's he's trying to say, you know, that that she was the one who sort of wanted to talk about this and that she was going to leave. And so he's he's also putting in a bit of an idea of maybe she decided to kill herself and take the children as well. So so there's um these sort of scenarios he's he's, he's trying to say could be a possibility because it doesn't then point the finger at him. But he's then trying to give himself some of the guilt saying, "Oh, if we didn't have have that conversation, maybe she'd still be here and you know, what have I done? What have I said?" Um as someone who, who who lost their husband to suicide, I have spent the rest of the last couple of years going through that day to see if I had said something or, or caused this. And so he is, is playing this sort of victim card, which is quite interesting to do, um, and that maybe he had pushed her to something, but I don't think the agent's buying a second of it. But it is a good ruse. I, I have to say, I do think he's come up with some clever mm -hmm. tactics during this, yeah. the problem he's got is the overwhelming evidence against him. Mm -hmm, absolutely. But he has to keep trying to, to play the game. They will eventually break him, as we all know, because he is in, in jail. But um, he is going to try and do whatever he can to deflect this away from him. And by doing the victim card, you know, like he said, you know, that there could have been a male friend that might have come and picked her up and all this sort of stuff, he's trying to just... Um, make the water a bit more murkier so um so that there is doubts on things like the camera what nicole has said people that that Shechanan knew that he didn't he's, mm. he's just trying to play all of these different cards yeah absolutely uh look i'll just jump in for a moment and say if you are listening to this on the audio podcast you may want to go back and watch the video version of this because there is a lot to get across basically in a visual medium we produce a video version of this podcast every week and you can get that at, by going to mwm.uscreen.io for $15 a month you get our full catalogue and you can buy individual episodes for $5 that's simply by going to mwm.uscreen.io or of course you can subscribe through Patreon by going to patreon.com slash mwmconfessions there we have a range of tiers that give you certain bonus and access to material depending on what tier you take out. For $5 a month you get access to all of our back audio catalogue. For $10 a month you get that 
plus bonus material. Then for $20 a month, you get a group chat as well as the secret Patreon group, which the $10 members also get where you can interact and talk to Amanda. For $25, you get the video podcast included. And for $50, you get a one-on-one chat per month with Amanda. There's a whole range of benefits just by going to patreon.com slash mwm confessions. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Okay, the agent then wants a blow-by-blow of their discussion. He's now wanting Watts to recall a conversation, and this will be a way to show his tells. But also the agent has the same question we all have. Why talk at 4.15 in the morning? Can you really get into that conversation with me? And what I want to know is... um, you obviously have a very deep relationship with her, she's your wife. But it's going to be easy for me to listen to what was said and maybe think that there are some clues about maybe she did just lay down and, and cry a little bit longer and something happened to her. Or maybe she did get frustrated and she left. So let's, can we recreate that conversation? Mm-hmm. So tell me what happened. So I crawled back in bed. So sorry, let's start from um, she gets home late at night. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'll start from that point. Okay. So she got home about 2 a.m. And were you already home? Oh, yeah, I was, I was passed out. Okay. Yeah, so like I, I could, I felt her get into bed, that about it. About 4 a.m., that's when my alarm, <clears throat> that's when my alarm went off to go to work. Okay. That's when I got ready and everything. And so she gets into two, alarm was off at 4, okay? Mm-hmm. And, and you were sleeping that whole time? Oh, yeah. Okay, so the conversation hasn't started. No. Okay. Well, so about when my alarm goes off, that's when, after I get ready for work, I go back in bed and have that conversation. So you wake up at four. Mm-hmm. At four, then what? Until you start the conversation. Uh, get dressed, get my get my clothes on, brush my teeth, deodorant, all that kind of stuff. Okay. Shower. Yeah. Okay. Shower. Yeah. At four. Okay. What are you doing? I work in the oil and gas. Okay. So then it doesn't matter if you go to work without a shower. Okay. Definitely not. <laughs> all right. This is gonna be bad anyway. Yeah. So then you wake up, you get ready. I'm sorry, I interrupted you. It's fine. Um, so then, so then, what time we're we talking about when you're ready to talk with her? About four fifteen or so. Okay. And so she was asleep from the time she got in from two to four, mm-hmm. or four fifteen. You wake up at four, four fifteen. You're ready. Okay. And at four fifteen, you start talking. Mm-hmm. Why do you talk at four fifteen? I felt like I needed to talk to her face to face. Like I wanted to say something. Much. Um, I, I, like when she was in Arizona, like I didn't want to do it through a text. I didn't want to do it through a call. I was like. I got back in bed. I was like, I needed to 
I need to talk to her about this because she told me, she told me like when she was when she was gonna fly back that she wanted to get up with me so she could take a shower. She wanted to get there with me. What do you mean when she got back? When she flew back in from Phoenix? Yeah. Okay. She told you, let's have a talk. No, she wanted to get up with me so she could take a shower in the airport off her because she was going to talk about her flight was delayed. Oh, okay. Her flight was supposed to be at 11, but it's okay. 11. Okay. And so did she call you or did she text you? I think there was a call. You know, previously he said it was a very emotional conversation, but 
it doesn't sound like when he's explaining it here, yes, he said he was bawling his eyes out, but it doesn't sound like it was this huge emotional conversation he was claiming previously. Yeah, no, before he was saying, um, you know, oh, that, you know, we we were sobbing and, and this was happening and that was happening and, you know, we'd fallen out of love and all of this and now it's like he's saying, oh, I didn't want to live a, a facade and, and just do this for the sake of the children and things like that. But if if he's saying that he's playing a, a role, uh, then why was he sleeping downstairs if, if they were just sort of saving face for the children? So that's a lie. Um, but also, you know, he, he kept saying, I needed to do this now. I You know, he, he didn't care how she was feeling. He didn't care that she's pregnant had 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 two hours sleep he needed to do it then and there because he didn't want to do it on text which um would have been even more of a motive later but he's he's all about what made him feel better not about what was going on so the detective needs to sorry the agent needs to sort of go through and, and think was this a catalyst for something she did or was this a catalyst for something he ended up doing so that's the role he is, is sort of going between he's not seeing external um abductor he's not seeing you know a robbery gone wrong nothing like that he knows either she has gone with, with the kids or he has done something to them. So he's now just trying to tease out these bits and pieces. But when he's asked to sort of relay the conversation, he, he can't really do much of what she said in, in, in return. So basically it's all about I needed to do this and I needed to change this and I needed to do it at this time and I need, and that's what he kept saying over and over again. It was not about that she just said, oh, can we talk about this later or, you know, can we not do this can we work it through he doesn't care about what she was saying because it was all, all about what he had to say and how it, it ended up because that conversation was a bit more emotional than he's making it out now that's for sure okay sure so the next interview turns to what shanann said about her plans for the day and that's when the conversation ends and we're talking that's when she says she's going to take her friends or take her and her friends to the, take her and the kids to her friend's house who's who's a that's what she did. She did not say. That's, That's what, what she did say. I'm taking the kids to a friend's house. Are you sure she said that? Yes. You're positive? Yes. Okay. That's good. Um, now we're back to the blowing out steam. Yeah. Probability, which we like, right? Yeah. That's what I like. Okay. Um, so, let's, you know, if we're going to play the DVR, let's rewind five minutes. So, we're at the house. You're talking about the house. You're saying this isn't going to work with the kid. We're going to sell this house. Then how do you remember what led to her talking about the kids? As far as like taking to a friend's house, yeah. Like what what conversations did you guys have? Well, that's when I rolled out of bed, and that's when she she pretty much she told me like I'm taking the kids to a friend's house today, and I'll be back later. Are you sure she said she'll be back yes. later? On a scale of one to ten, how, how positive? That's a ten. A ten. Yeah. Okay. So she said, I'm going to take the kids to a friend's house, but I'll be back later. Why? That, from what I just told her, that doesn't make sense though, because you know, you'd be at work, right? She has to leave. That's the thing, like, why, I'm not sure why she wanted to go somewhere. Okay. But that's what she wanted. Like, maybe she didn't want to be in the house after what we were just talking sure about. Enough, you just talked about, yeah. That's no longer in mentally, emotionally harassed then. Mm-hmm. Okay. So let's focus on, I'm going to take the kids to my friend's house. What does that mean? Hopefully it's someone that she trusts. Hopefully it's someone that she knows pretty well, and hopefully maybe they have a kid that Bella and Celeste can play with. But you have no idea who that would be? Just we've exhausted all of them from all those people. Okay. Now, this is interesting because... I don't think the detective is buying anything he's saying, but what the detective is doing here is 
nailing him down. Oh, she said she'll be back. Oh, well, there's real no need for an investigation, is there? You know, like, yeah. <laughs> so she'll turn up in a couple of days. She's just blowing off steam. We're just going to wait this out. Uh, you know, the agent knows this is bullshit. <laughs> Yeah, he does. But it's interesting that he that he made him confirm that she said, I'm taking the kids. Because taking means going from point A to point B. Not mm. that someone's coming to point A to mm. pick you up and take you away. So this is a very mm. important thing too. Because if she's, I'm taking the kids and, and, and going to blow off steam or something, she would be then moving in a vehicle herself or going for a walk or doing something. But she, she didn't say, oh, I'm going to ring Nicole and we're going to, go and just and just do something no he's made it this vague statement and then when he said are you sure like on the scale of one to ten um Watts didn't chat he goes yep ten he didn't sort of mm. go oh you know definitely of course you know why would i lie you know he he could have done all of this but instead he, he just gives sort of like a one word answer because he didn't want to sort of give any of, of those tells because this detective this agent has not taken his eyes off him and watts can't do a lot of his tells he can't do his rocking he's not doing his, his arm crossing self-soothing we can't see his lips well enough to know if he's biting them but he's in that corner and that and that agent is taking up so much space there that he can't sort of escape there's no because um even if people don't want to escape we all sort of know where the door is and we also well some of us do um we know where the point of of exit is and so that is being blocked physically by this agent and so this is a, an extra additive pressure but what isn't doing like he's not swinging on the chair which I, I thought he would do so he's actually calmer than I think he would be but I also think that he has done this now so many times with so many different people that he's actually getting that conversation down and as as we know he's referring to his pages in front of him quite a lot because he's trying to keep the story straight mm. and so if this is the truth he shouldn't need to he, he might go off oh, 415 417 something like that but no he has to keep referring to it and that's an interesting part and that's why they get them to tell me the story now we'll go over it in detail because that's where they fall down and that's why he's asking him. Are you sure these are the words he uh, she used? Hmm. Very, very good point. But he keeps on like this for a little longer. Is that, does that surprise you? Because I don't know your wife, but maybe that's something that's in her wheelhouse. Did that surprise you that she did, did said that and did that? It doesn't surprise me that she went somewhere. Like she says she was, might could have been a play date, but she was very vague in the fact that she just said she was going to go for a job. Okay. I didn't say who. Okay. That's why I text her, like, you can tell me, like, where the kids are. What time did you text her? That was 7... 7.40. Okay. And nowhere, 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 nowhere. Okay. So then we're at the... I'm going to take the kids. I'm going to go to a friend's house. You sure she didn't say I'm going to take them somewhere to a hotel or to... Oh, there's no... There's no office if you said to a friend's house. And not just someone's house, but a friend's house. Yeah, because, like... If it, if it was a hotel, I would have definitely asked the question, like, why are you going to a hotel? Yeah. He's really going in on those words, isn't he? He is, and this is how they catch him, because he's saying that what's 
SMSed his wife at 7.40 to see how she was going. Uh, two things there. One, she's only had two hours sleep and so she's not going anywhere at 7.40. And two, who goes on a play date at 7.40 in the morning? See, <laughs> it's these things that he can he, he can say that he asked where she was. But at 7.40, those, those kids are probably still wanting egg on toast and things like that. And if she is go, going to go somewhere, she's going to be preoccupied and things like that. She's not going on a play date at 7.40 in the morning when she got home at 2 o'clock. Mm clock that 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 morning as well it's just but he thinks that this is something that isn't important but it's these sort of keys that sort of says you know you're already looking for your wife yes he could say they had the argument and she said she was going but she wasn't going at 7 40 in the morning i can tell you that so he was preempting looking for her interesting um and he keeps referring to those notes i noticed as well so that's interesting yeah. <laughs> i haven't seen people do that in the past is their statement usually left on the table Sometimes it is like when we did uh, the man who um, disemboweled his girlfriend, um, he actually had to go through and write the statement down later. So sometimes it depends on where we're seeing the interview. This is now the FBI t turning up to actually go through it because this is a child abduction, mm. possible child abduction case. So um, it depends on where they're going because sometimes like, they start at, at the very beginning so they haven't even written a statement. Then we see people like the detectives in the Todd Colehead case who wrote it word for word as he tried to speak so there's all different ones so but this is something that often happens is that he's told the story now he's got it in front of him now he's actually has to retell it and this is where they get stuck mm. uh, some of them that we have done have have done this and this is why they look at, at their statements so we really need to do some more of the innocent guys who do that to see if they do this because they usually don't i uh, that call have one i still just Exactly. It's very easy to refer to that one. It still hurts me. <laughs> <laughs> Look, they then return to the moments when Watts, Nicole and the others enter the house and Watts plants another red herring. So then everybody goes in and then what? I run upstairs and I look at the bedrooms. Okay. And because that's where she would be. That's where I, I would expect. So is this a standard house, upstairs, bedrooms, downstairs, living area? Yep. Okay. There's one office downstairs. Okay. And then, so then upstairs, then what? I'm going to Bella's room, going to Celeste's room, playroom, master bedroom. I'm looking everywhere, like bathrooms, and nothing. Okay. And then, so I found the night, found the wedding ring right there on the nightstand, and then... Right then? Yeah. Okay. Isn't that weird? She only takes it off and she goes there. Okay. She'd already colored her hair like the week before, so okay. oh, that was just like probably a result of her conversation. Oh, I would think. Okay. And then Nick finds her phone on the couch. And why did he find her phone on the couch? What's he looking for there? Ah, no, no, he was he was looking for her. He clues. I clues. Just looked. I was looking around too, and it just happened just like to run across it right there on the couch. No connection. So you found it. It's not as though you were calling it. Found it. Yeah. Okay. Then what? Saw the. Um, I think he gets the, put some passcode in. It was, it was a four digit passcode before, and it was a six digit this one this time. So now like seven one thirty one nineteen. Yeah. She knew her friend's passcode. Yeah, I didn't. Because it used to be two three five, but we just changed it to six. How did Nikki know? Maybe she knew it over the weekend because I'd never seen a success passcode on her, on her phone. Is that normal to you that Nicole might share her passcode with somebody? I wouldn't think so. 
And do you know her to have done that before? No, because only she's only told me her passcode before. Like her, I mean, her phone's her lifeline. So okay. Yeah, that's interesting. So Watts is now making Nicole seem sus, and the agent seems to be buying it. But look, friends do share passcodes. I mean, you and I share some for what we do. Uh, I have full access to your YouTube and social media. Uh, this yep. isn't too unusual. No, it isn't. But um, what? This actually says, and um, it's, it's something that happens more than people really know, and that is when women are in domestic violence uh, situations, they often say to a very close friend, a confidant, say, if something happens to me, this is the passcode to my phone, my computer, to whatever, if something mm. happens to me, go and look. And I think this is this could be what has happened here is that Shanann was not feeling safe, was was worried about things were going on. She'd actually confronted what's about um, a an, an affair before this day, um, and so it's possible that she could have thought that something could have happened to her, and she might have said to Nicole, "Here's my details," but maybe not had said why. Maybe she says, "Oh, just in case, you know, can you just have these because you know, baby brain and stuff like mm, that." But it could mm. be really because because she, she was worried that something could happen to her and let's face it she was right yeah well then after having chris go all over the rest of the day the agent returns to that conversation that morning Wow, 
talk about tension, it's something we don't often see, is it? Usually when someone is guilty, they feel every bit of silence. But what actually is allowing some silence, he's still ultimately jumping in when the detective, when the agent doesn't uh, fill in the gaps, but he is letting a lot of silence sit there. He is, and I think that the first one was five seconds, then he let it go for seven seconds, then mm. that final one is actually 12 seconds long. So um, it's quite interesting. Actually, I, I had to sort of make sure that the tape hadn't paused or, or something. <laughs> I thought, really, he's sitting there for a very long time, and there is that intense stare that's still happening. Now, what the agent's doing, and my kids call it my lie face, so what I do is that I let them tell me what they've done, I don't know, don't come up with a follow-up questions. I sit there and look at them and they usually then have to fill that gap. So people need to fill that space by like either trying to reiterate what they had tried to say or, the, or they break. So um, parents go and try that on your kids. Don't ask them a second question when they've given you the lie and you watch them break. And that's what he's doing here. He's not He's not asking any any follow-up questions he's just sitting there and let what's talk because he's just digging that hole deeper and deeper and if he isn't guilty he'd just go well yep mm. what else do you want to know but he's yeah. not he's providing more and more and more detail after those gaps but he is one of the longest gap holders that i think that we've had on on the show mm. well the pressure is on and the agent goes in hard why should I believe you? Because I'm a very trustworthy person, and the people that do know me, they know how I'm a calm person. I am not an argumentative person. I am a person who is never going to be abusive or physical in any kind of relationship. I will never harm my kids. I will never harm my wife. I mean, you can talk. I mean, any, you can talk to any of my friends, any of her friends. They know me. They know. I'm a low-key guy that's quiet. I'm, I'm not about confrontation. I'm not about anything that elevates to that level. I mean, like, if someone like, yells at me, screams at me, I just take it and I just try to get it by the wayside and get it back to where it's cool. Like, it's a cool conversation to where like none of that, none of that gets to that height. And I am not that person. I've never been that person. Om Nani Padnyum, he's so calm oh and collected. <laughs> Just one slight problem, mate. The neighbours heard you yelling all the bloody time. Absolutely. Good point to make. And this is it. You know, he's saying, ask any of, of my friends. Yeah, no, they already have, mate. They know exactly what you're like. The, the neighbour next door told the officer standing in his room, I used to hear him yelling every single day. If he's non-confrontational, why is he having a, a conversation with his pregnant, tired wife in bed at 4.15 in the morning? But also, he went to say that he's shy and then stopped. So it's interesting. Why didn't he want to use the word shy? And then, you know, oh, I don't like confrontation. I don't like to do this i don't like to do that you know if someone's yelling and screaming at me i try and take a toe or calm place three seconds earlier he said and we were both crying and it was emotional and all of this Balling so it can't be both off. you can't say that 
Yeah, exactly, exactly. So how is he having this calm conversation with a tired <laughs> pregnant woman at 4 o'clock in the morning when he's non-confrontational? So that whole spiel there of that, I'd never hurt my kids, I'd never do this, that's all lie. That's that's an absolute disgusting lie. I'll tell you what, if I'm ever pulled in for questioning over murder, I cannot make the claim, oh, I'm non-confrontational, I never raise my voice. <laughs> <laughs> I started yelling. I never stop. <laughs> I'm always loud. <laughs> Believe me, I'm aware. Uh, anyway, <laughs> so the agent knows he's got what's on the lead. So now he's going to push that little bit further. Um, you can imagine it's my job. Okay. And I told you that tonight, you know, we talk about things and might bend you, might. Um, you know that we have to get to the bottom of this. You know that. Yeah. Okay. Would you take a polygraph? Sure. Okay. So would you take it tonight? That, that's what you want me to do. Yeah. I've never done one. I don't know like what it involves, but okay. you know where it is. Um, from what I'm saying, it goes on your finger. You know what the purpose of one is? That's for a lot of types of tests. Okay. So much going on there. So he seems, he actually seems okay about taking the polygraph. Yeah, because if he says, oh, God, no, I'm not doing that, I'm out of here and everything, the agent will just turn around and arrest him on, on the spot. And that's what he's trying to say to him. Right. It's like, right now, you can walk out of here and there's nothing that we can do. They, they can ar arrest him then and there, of course. But um, if he seems to be willing to go, he thinks that he's, he's clever enough to sort of convince them all so far. He thinks he, he can beat the polygraph and really I don't even know what, why they bother because they aren't allowed in court anyway, as far as I'm, I'm aware, just depends on which state he's in. But it puts in. him under but, pressure, you know, doesn't it? This is... Oh, it does, yeah, 100%, because it's based on, on, on blood pressure. And if you uh, clench your ass when you're answering truthful questions, it actually uh, makes it go wrong. But we won't go into how to beat a polygraph test. Is just that, is that what you do? You clench your but, bum when you're saying, I'm Rob McKnight? Yeah, it, <laughs> it, 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 it creates a tension that um, increases your blood pressure. So, and that's what... I heard about thumbtacks in the on, shoes. Is, is, yeah, or biting it in, inside of your jaw. There's a whole different so mm. sorts of ways to do it. But, like, you know, my, my number one rule with all of these is you don't talk to police or FBI without a lawyer present. And literally this agent is saying to you, like, there's no going back now. You are here voluntarily, but where this um, polygraph comes back as you fail, which it's going to, everyone knew that, um, you know, you're going to be arrested then and there. So, you know, run now because um, we, we're, we're going to come for you regardless. But, you know, he, he thinks that he's, he's going to get through this and he thinks that by saying he is going to do it, the, the agent go, ah, oh, just call and you bluff because you said, yeah, you do it. You know, I, I know that you can't be guilty, you know. And, and this is the 
this is the mind games that they play with themselves. So they think that if they look like they're willing to offer these mm-hmm. sorts of, of, of things that it's going to go in their favour. But if we remember the Miranda rights is anything you say will be used against you in a court of law, not for you. Regardless of what you say, it will be used against you. So it is going to be the prosecution's case of regardless of what you say. So, you know, but mm. people don't hear that. People think, oh, well, I on, on record I said this and that proves me truthful when it actually doesn't it actually goes the opposite way so because you said that exactly the way as as you said that lie so both of those must be lies because you answered them in the same frequency tense and all of that so yeah well even if he was going to be arrested (laughs) properly um these guilty people always want to look like they're willing to cooperate we see it on reality tv when you know shows like border security or rbt where they um do random breath tests they cameras always have to ask them especially in this country in australia for permission and so when they're at the airport they say do you mind us filming no no not a problem because i've got nothing to hide when they're thinking if i say no they're going to go in harder because i do have something to hide but if i say i've got not worried about a camera being here they won't look as hard it doesn't change a damn thing Nope, it doesn't. And and my mum used to work for Border Security and she she can tell you all those stories and, and more about what they try and get past and then pretend that they didn't know that was in, in their bag and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> so they, they try, they, they think that by offering more that it's actually going to get them off easier, but it, it actually goes against them. Yeah. Almost every time. Well, back on track, Amanda. It's certainly starting to heat up. And next week, we will be back with more on the Watts case, including the polygraph test. I cannot wait for this one. Amanda Howard, best selling author, true crime specialist, best selling true crime author, criminologist, and serial <laughs> killer whisperer. Thank you so much for being with us again. Oh, Look forward to next week. <laughs> Absolutely can't wait. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 